so much, ladies, to remind us about what Christmas is all about. Main purpose being that all would be well between us and God. Well, we're continuing in our series, A Christmas Carol. And we're going to be talking about, of course, uh, Dickens' book, or at least a framework of it. Uh, The first Sunday, we talked about the ghost of Christmas past. And that ghost was the one of bitterness. Uh, We struggle with anger, bitterness, grudges, revenge. And Jesus Christ says, I've forgiven you. Or God says, I've forgiven you for everything through Jesus Christ. So who are you to hold a grudge against someone? Then we talked about the ghost of Christmas present. And we identified that as anxiety. We all struggle with anxiety, and it just tends to spike during the Christmas season because there's more stress sometimes than ever, depending upon what you're doing uh, for Christmas and all the preparations. And we studied Matthew chapter 6, which talks about Jesus Christ telling the people, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Four times he says it in one part of this sermon on the mount. And so we shouldn't be anxious, right? Uh, We need to put God as a priority in our lives. We need to seek Him out as we studied. And if we put Him first in our lives, then He'll fulfill all the rest of our needs that we're concerned about, food and clothes and, and our future. But today we're talking about the ghost of the future. And as you might remember in the Dickens story, Scrooge meets the ghost of the future. And he's not a very pretty guy. (laughs) Kind of scary. (laughs) Yeah, he was foreboding bad things, of course. And he takes him to a couple different places. He takes him to the scene where... Scrooge's funeral is going on, and somebody said a wretched man died, and the local businessmen would only come if they got a free lunch out of it. Nobody, nobody likes Scrooge, right? <laughs> and then he was showing us shrouded body, and he begged the angel not to unmask it because he knew it was him. And they move on to another scene to uh, Tiny Tim where he lived and the Cratchit family. And and they were mourning the loss of Tiny Tim. It's about a year into the future. And then he takes him uh, to a couple who uh, were impoverished and they were in debt to Scrooge and they're having a great time. <laughs> They're rejoicing over his death because they don't have to pay anymore. Well, this is quite discouraging to Scrooge uh, to see the way things go when he dies. And and when he wakes up, uh, when the ghost leaves and he wakes up and he realizes it was all a, a dream, he realizes that he doesn't want his life to end that way. He doesn't want to go on that 
path of selfishness and greed and stinginess. But he wants to change his pathway and he wants to go on a pathway of compassion and generosity and love. And it's just a wondrous thing at the end when he is so excited uh, to love people again. And it's interesting because this story is reflective of the gospel. Now, we are all sinners. We've all disobeyed God. And that means that we need to be punished for it, according to God's justice system. And the Bible said that there is a wide road to hell, which means more people will be going to hell than will be going to heaven because they reject who Jesus Christ is. They will not submit and repent and accept this free gift of forgiveness. In fact, in a research study done, 61% of Americans believed in hell, but they believed it was only for really, really bad people, not people like themselves. Now, the other option, of course, is through Jesus Christ. It's the narrow road that leads to heaven. And 67% of people believe in heaven. Now, friends, here's the challenge. Is the majority of people might believe there's a hell, but they don't think they're going there. It's all back to, you know, what I've done, what a good person I am, how I haven't done things like other people have. That argumentation. Uh, but we know the truth. If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, repent from your sin, and have it not based on your good works, but what Jesus Christ has done for you in this life, if you don't make any decision, it's likely to make a decision against Christ. And you will spend eternity in hell. And a lot of pastors don't like to talk about hell. Uh, I think it might offend people. It's the Word of God. When you think about salvation, think about that word salvation. What are you saved from? Well, you're saved from eternity in hell. And there's many different ideas of what hell might be like. But uh, the one thing I'm sure of is that it's a place of suffering. A place of suffering. And it's a place of isolation. It's not like these far side cartoons. <laughs> Let's just see. Uh, it's a terrible place. I wouldn't want, if I had a worst enemy, I wouldn't want him to go there. Would you want your worst enemy to go to hell? I mean, no, of course not. And you see, when we understand what hell is more, first of all, we appreciate how grievous sin is to God and how serious it is to Him. And that motivates us, of course, to live more holy lives with the Spirit. And then, when we think about heaven... Hopefully, that motivates us uh, to pursue God. Now, obviously, when we think about hell, we also, I mean, when we realize how bad it is, we want to get out there and tell everybody. I mean, think about your neighbors. Think about the people at work. Uh, don't you want them to know that there is a way to Jesus? They have to make their own decision, but at least you can tell them about it. And again, I just want to encourage you to... Uh, Use this uh, card uh, to invite people out to Christmas Eve. Now, again, Christmas Eve is an easy invite because everybody can say, I'm doing something else. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> There's no tension in it, you know. Well, tension, I guess, in asking them, but at the same time, 
they, they got an easy way to say, I can't go because I'm busy with other things. All right? But that's going to be where you start with a person. Then you come back, uh, depending upon your relationship, and you invite them out to something else. And you invite them something out to someone, something, something, something else. I've been inviting my neighbors to Christmas Eve, and I'll make another round uh, this time. And that's uh, interesting. I'm getting a lot of neighbors I didn't know that live farther away uh, from me. So, you know, when you think about where people are headed, I mean, when you really meditate upon that and think about that, you say, what more important thing could I be doing than being part of a disciple-making family that has the goal of reaching people for Jesus Christ? That's why we do postcards. That's why you know, we do these cards. That's why we do the sign, to tell people about the gospel. Yeah, Here's another thing. I, I think that most Christians struggle with the idea of heaven. I mean, some know a lot about it, but they just struggle with the idea because it's so different. Jesus Christ comforted his disciples and said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Our hearts are troubled often, aren't they? Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's are many rooms. I think the KJV... V is mansions, sorry, no mansions. <laughs> but they'll be really, whatever the accommodations, they'll be really, really, really good. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So he was just soon to leave this earth, and he says, I am going to go prepare a place where we can live for eternity. I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. You see, that really, that's what Christmas is all about. It's the beginning of the salvation mission of Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin, so he wouldn't inherit uh, the sinful nature. Christmas is about heaven. Yeah, because it's all about our eternal relationship with God. That is the most beautiful gift that we have. So when we talk about heaven, we're saying you're going to have a fantastic, unbelievable, enriching, satisfying relationship with God for eternity. Amen. Yeah. That's something to get excited about. No doubt. But I find that a lot of Christians don't think a lot, a lot about heaven. I find myself the same way sometimes. In that we get so wrapped up in this world, uh, and sometimes we, we have misconceptions about heaven. You know, you got the whole, you know, playing the harp in the on the cloud. <laughs> That's not heaven, you know. Or some of you, you're thinking, oh man, you know, we're going to be worshiping 24-7. <laughs> How many would like to have a better singing voice? Anybody out there? <laughs> I tell you what, when you get to heaven, you're going to have an awesome singing voice because you're going to be perfect. Oh, talk, you know, a lot of people see Handel's Messiah around this season. But, oh, we're going to sing Handel's Messiah, I think, in heaven. And it's just going to blow everyone away because uh, we're experiencing uh, the wonderful news that was delivered uh, through that music. 
And I think a lot of people think they'll be bored in heaven. I really believe this. A lot of Christians, I mean, they're, they're down here on earth, and then they hear about heaven and worship and like eternity. That's a long time. So what they do is they turn their attentions to things that are right around them, things that are interesting uh, to them. And that's where they invest their treasure, as we talked about last week. Because they don't understand. And I always try to explain to people this way. All right. God created the earth. There's a lot of good things here on earth, right, that we enjoy. We enjoy good food. (laughs) We enjoy being outside, exploring the outdoors. We enjoy uh, our families. We enjoy marriage. I mean, you just can go down the list and think of all the things that God gives both believers and unbelievers to enjoy. And He is the one who master-designed this earth. And of course, Adam and Eve sinned and things went downhill from there. So, do you think that in heaven it's going to be the same or a little bit above? Of course not! I mean, He's a master-designer. He's had 2,000 years to do this. Okay? It's going to be unbelievable! Yeah, you know, we have fears like, oh, you know, my wife, my family. <laughs> Don't worry about it at all, because we're thinking in an earthly way. Yeah, he made this earth, and and just think about all the things you enjoy about it, and then triple that by about a million, and that's what heaven is like. And it's hard to relate to because it's just kind of ethereal. But hopefully, as we go throughout this message. Uh, we will rejoice at what God is going to do. Revelation 21, 1 through 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Now I believe that there's uh, going to be a rapture of Christians uh, before the tribulation. And I believe it will be a seven year tribulation period where God will be judging the earth. Then I'll be the different judgments after that, and then there will be a thousand years of millennium uh, honoring uh, Israelites and the promises uh, to them. And then eternity will begin, one might say. That's when we're going to have a new earth. This earth is going to be gone. Chicago, gone. New York, everywhere, gone. It won't exist anymore. But there will be a new earth. A new earth, a brand new earth, just for you and I. It's like with Adam and Eve, but there will be no sin. So we won't go down that same course again. And uh, we're, we're just going to be in a, such a uh, satisfying place in every way. So you have this new earth and this new heaven, so totally different than what we're experiencing. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So you've got this new earth, and now the capital is being lowered on to the earth. And it's huge, (laughs) this new Jerusalem. It it covers like 65% of the United States, if you were to put it down uh, on the United States. It's like 2,250,000 miles high. And it's just uh, something to behold. I'd encourage you to uh, look up scriptures on that. And again, appreciate what is coming our way. 
Then coming down out of heaven from God, because remember Christians go up and they stay in heaven, uh, and, and eventually they come down, a bride adorned for her husband. We are the bride of Christ. That's what the church is called. That we are the bride of Christ. And it's all about the unity we have and the relationship that He wants with us. And when you think about a bride, in fact, I was at a, a wedding yesterday for Ben Belton and Sierra Mondehovey. And, uh, you know, she was a perfect bride. She's very uh, attractive. And she also is more attractive on the inside because she has a really deep heart for God. And as I was, I was uh, reflecting that, I thought, you know, that's what we're talking about. I mean, when we go into eternity, we are going to be the bride of Christ. So I just imagine uh, the wedding yesterday. And how thrilling that will be. I, I said to Sierra, are you getting tired yet? Oh, no, she, she was, you know, flying high, right? <laughs> Why? Because she was marrying her groom. And friends, that's exactly how we are going to feel. We're going to be overwhelmed with joy. Overwhelmed with joy because of that. And that's why it's so important that we follow God's Rules, commands about marriage and the family. Because one of the reasons for marriage and the family, it's an illustration of God and the church. And when people start tearing the traditional family apart, that makes God very, very upset. Because He laid it out as a beautiful illustration of what our relationship with God is going to be about. Well, we move on to Revelation 21, uh, 5. It says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trusty. <laughs> trusty, that's a good one. Trustworthy and true. Trustworthy and true. You, you can bank on this. This is a promise, and I'm even going to say more than I need to say. I don't have to say they're trustworthy and true. But he wanted to make the point that in heaven, everything is going to be new. How many would like a new body? Out there for a new body. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to have a new body, right? You're going to have one. You're going to have one on the new earth. You see, that's not exactly heaven. I mean, that's the new earth and the city of Jerusalem. So there's different ways to define heaven. But I'm trying to describe the new earth. And the new heavens where we will live. So, yeah, you're going to have new bodies. And, and we get hints from Christ of what they might be like. That we'll be able to walk and talk and hopefully eat. I'm not sure. But I know if there's no food, he's going to have something much better than we could ever dream of. <laughs> In some way. And, of course, uh, no pain. Uh, Jesus Christ could walk through walls. He could vanish. So that gives us some clues about what our resurrection bodies might look like. But we'll still be able to recognize each other. A lot of people say, well, you know, what age will I be? Well, I don't know for sure, but when you think about Adam, he was made and he was made an adult. So I assume that uh, we will be made 
as adults before the body starts to go downhill. It gets about 18. <coughs> okay. But everything's going to be new. You're never going to have to sleep again. Never. 24-7, the radiance of God will be shining. And you ever felt like that? You've got energy. You've got so much to do. I just wish I didn't have to sleep. Well, you're not going to have to sleep. Right? You're never going to get tired. You're never going to get sick. I mean, wow. That is some kind of body. And that's what God is going to give to us. And everything is going to be new. The interesting thing about heaven is that every day is going to be better than the day before. That's hard for us to imagine because our days go up and down. But every day is going to be better because you're going to get to know God better every day for eternity, as we talked about earlier. I mean, even well, eternity is eternity. <laughs> so you really can't quantify it. But the point is, in 10 million years, you'll still be learning new things about God. Because God is set apart. He is holy. He is the only one. And so you are going to experience that as well. And things will just be better every day. The food will be better if they have food. Uh, clothes will be better. It's the idea that says God, God says, I'm making everything new. And uh, that's what we can look forward to. Uh, when, you, when you go to heaven, uh, nobody's ever going to say to you, have a good day. Right? <laughs> now, that would be really a stupid thing to say in heaven. Because you're going to have a great day. Every day, and the days are going to become greater and greater in enjoyment as you uh, are in heaven. Revelation 21 6, and he said to me, It is done, God speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, again, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. I cover it all the beginning and the end. There's he's talking about his sovereignty and his providence and how holy he is. To the thirsty I give from the spring of the water of life without payment. In a sense, when, I, when he says he, it is done, in a sense his, his plan has been completed. What he's planning to do is to put, on the, put us on the new earth, give us new bodies, enjoy fellowship with him forever. It is done. After all the years all the decades, all the millenniums of waiting. One exciting thing of that is, I love that, that the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You're getting all this for free, man. <laughs> Talk about accommodations. You know, some of you travel far abroad for vacations and it costs a pretty penny, right? Well, this is going to be so much more than anywhere you can travel in the world. And you're going to get it for free because it's all about God's grace and not about what you have done. I think in, in heaven it's going to be very similar to earth as we study the scriptures in the sense that some people think, oh, I'm going to be singing all day and I hate to sing. <laughs> well, you're going to love to praise God. There's no doubt about that. But 
it's going to be a lot like earth. It talks about people in different leadership positions. And I don't know exactly what will be happening, but we will be busy. You will never have a moment of boredom in heaven. Imagine that. Never a moment of boredom. <laughs> because it's heaven. <laughs> and that's the way God created it. Well, it goes on to say, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And read, that, read that verse and just meditate on it for a second. Isn't that amazing? We are going to dwell with God for eternity. He will be with us and we'll be with Him. And you look at this life and the pain, the disappointments, the challenges, the tragedies. That's so comforting to know. Again, this life is but a test. 70, 80, 90 years compared to eternity, that's a drop in the bucket. I mean, just being able to talk to Jesus Christ himself. Got any questions for Jesus? <laughs> any questions about your life? And well, I tell you, God, this area of my life really seemed messed up. and I, I'm just curious. I, I kind of know what you're doing, but... <laughs> He's going to put all the pieces together like he did for the disciples after uh, the resurrection. He kind of put all the pieces together for him, for them in terms of what happened and why. You know, they, were, they were always confused, wanted to do their own thing. So he said this was the master plan. And that's exactly what he's going to do in heaven. Whatever pain that you have, whatever's gone on in your life, you'll be able to ask him. And you'll listen. And that in itself, I mean, that, that's why Christmas is its really a heavenly relationship with God. A heavenly relationship with God. And the more you understand heaven, the more you'll get excited about it. Because if you're not very excited about going to heaven, if you're thinking, okay, you know, I've got a place to go to after this trip. Uh, hey, no, that's not going to motivate you to do anything. That's what we talked about last week about storing your treasures in heaven instead of on earth. Having kingdom eyes as God sees the world instead of earthly eyes as people who don't know the Lord see the world. So if you're not jazzed about heaven, you're going to become overwhelmed with everything that seems interesting and entertaining here on earth. Now, we should enjoy this earth and the great things that we can experience. But too many often, too often Christians, uh, they're just, again, uh, they're overwhelmed by uh, the media and the culture and the friends they hang with and things of that nature. And they just get caught up that I've got to do better on this earth. I've got to be more successful. I've got to get everything I can out of, the life, out of this life. And that is wrong. 
You're never going to get everything you want out of this life. That's the most that's the most discouraging way you can go looking for that. What you've got to do is you've got to understand what your future looks like. The ghost of Christmas future will come, the Holy Ghost of Christmas future, okay? You've got to understand what that's like, and you've got to think about it, and you've got to dwell on it, and you have to let the Holy Spirit use that to motivate you to live for the future, not for the moment. To invest in God's kingdom, your time, and your talent, and your treasure. To have a kingdom mind, like it says in Romans 12 too, your mind needs to be renewed. And it takes many years in terms of discipleship because God's always working on you. There's a lot of stuff in there that you got wrong. And He wants you to see it the way that He sees it. And we look in Revelation 21.7. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. That word overcomer is used many times early, uh, well, throughout really the book of Revelation. And a person who's an overcomer is not someone who's been a stellar Christian. A person who's an, overco- underco- uh, person who's an overcomer is someone who has accepted God's free gift of salvation. That who the other, you don't do anything to be an overcomer. Christ makes you an overcomer. And you have an inheritance. I don't know if any of you received inheritance in this life yet. Or maybe you have an inheritance coming up. Or maybe you got no inheritance. I tell you what, friends, you don't need an inheritance. Because when we talk about the riches of God's glory, we're talking about most of what we're going to experience in heaven. If we're going to Costco and have a dinner or lunch or anything like that, <laughs> go around getting little samples. Okay, I don't do it systematically; only when I'm there. And uh, but I, you know, I'm a pretty outgoing guy, and but I still feel a little bit guilty taking those samples when there is no way I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I mean. I mean Especially if I go there to the same station twice. That, that, that's, that's concerning. <laughs> well, friends, you know, when you think about going to Costco uh, for a light meal, <laughs> based on all these uh, vendors, uh, that's just a taste. That's like what we experience of God, experience God here in this world. We just experience a taste of Him. But when we go to heaven, we're going to experience Him fully. We're going to experience Him in all of His power and beauty and love and wonder. It's going to be awesome. And we need to continue to remind ourselves that that is going to be the case because it is true. This next verse, of course, is one of the most comforting verses in Scripture. Revelation 21-4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It says that God collects our tears 
in a bottle in Psalms? How many times have you cried recently? Last month, last three months, six months? You should at least cry twice a year. (laughs) Because it's very healthy for you. Most of the time we're burying our emotions and we're just going to grit our way through this. Just go ahead and cry. You know, go, go home and cry. What you do is you make, make a list of all the painful things in your life. And, and if you can't cry then, then, then you have to keep working at it. <laughs> You're probably a man. All right. But I'm serious. There's so much pain, so much disappointment, so much disillusionment. Uh, you know, we're never going to cry again. And death shall be... No more. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And death shall be no more. Amen? Ah. Death. One of the most difficult things that we experience as Christ followers. Losing friends, losing loved ones, and eventually, of course, our own death. It's so hard. It's so hard. We think of Tess. Uh, we lost her husband uh, with a heart attack in his sleep, only 53 years old. And just as I talk with her, just a, incredible amounts of pain. But in heaven, that's not going to be the way it is. Because nobody's dying. Everybody's going for eternity. And that is... Such good news. No more visitations, no more wakes, no more funerals, no memorial services. All gone. And it goes on to say, neither there should be mourning. Mourning over the death of a loved one or mourning of a lost dream. No mourning. No sadness. No, you're always going to be in a good mood. You'll never be in a bad mood. <laughs> you imagine that? You'll never be in a bad mood. Nor crying, nor pain anymore. Isn't that great? (laughs) This is the kind of verse you have to focus on to make heaven real to you. Say, wow, all the sin of this world will not be there. And of course, sin is what causes pain. Some are you in chronic pain, and I just empathize with you. And uh, I just have such respect for people in chronic pain and how they bear that burden. Or if you have a handicap or a disability, you know, no more. No more. The blind will see, the mute will speak. It will be heaven. A totally different place. What kind of pain are you going through this morning? Physical pain? Emotional pain? Relational pain? Psychological pain? Well, friends, when you die, no longer any 
that verse can carry you, right? That verse can carry you. And, of course, Jesus Christ carries us in our pain. He ministers to us. He strengthens us. He gives us grace every morning. But uh, I'm going to love that day when there's no pain. Because as a pastor, I talk to so many people and so many families who are in pain. In deep, deep pain. I mean, I see things and I said, I don't know how, it, how I'd handle that. I mean, I know that God would give me the grace, but it's just like, wow. That is so painful. But the former things have passed away. It's brand new. A whole new ball game. And I just really encourage you as Christ followers to think and meditate on heaven. Because number one, it's going to be encouraging to you. Number two, it's going to be motivating to you. And it's going to help you to be more God-centered than world-centered. Because you realize you're living for eternity. You're just passing through here. You're a stranger in this world, the Bible says. And so it's, it's so tempting and... It's so easy to buy into the lies of this society and say, this is it. i got to live every day to the extreme in order to be successful, to have a great time. And that's a lie. That's a lie from the mouth of Satan that he's done an excellent job of communicating. Because that's not about us, those who are Christ followers. This world is just this world. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. We... We trust in God's sovereignty. But the place we belong is in heaven. Read Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, now liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is a second death. So if a person in this life does not claim the salvation, salvation from what? Well, salvation from hell, right? Salvation from punishment. If they don't accept Jesus Christ's free forgiveness, this is what awaits them. And there's nothing in particular about these different people. I mean, hey, we're all idolaters. We all put things before God, make other things a priority, and sometimes put God on the back shelf. We're all liars to whatever degree, right? The point here is that these are people that could have gone to heaven if they chose Jesus Christ, but they didn't. And some didn't by default. They just said, I'm not going to worry about that. Friends, this is why it is so critical that we are here in this community. This is why it's so critical that we continue to grow in taking that step out of our comfort zone, like Emily was talking about uh, that friend, and tell them the important news of the gospel. Because when you get to heaven and you think back, and what was I so worried about? It was, it was the news that they had it to hear. Now, how they respond, that's something different. And uh, so, again, whether it be through our invitation or whether it be 
uh, coming through the side door, they say, through a small group or a basketball league, you know, where they might not feel uh, comfortable coming to church yet. But we've just got to continue to pray and pray and pray that God would change people's lives through our church. In fact, it was last weekend when I was sitting uh, with a man, a young man, and he was telling me about some of his struggles and pain in his past life. And I questioned him about his spiritual journey, where he'd been. And after questioning him, I realized he was still trusting in his good works to get to heaven. And so we talked about that. And he realized, you know, that he had been. And then he made that decision to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That means that young man is not going to spend eternity separated from God. He's going to spend eternity dwelling God, dwelling with God, enjoying God, communing with God, communing with the universal church. In fact, this past year, uh, we've had 30 adults and children come to Christ. Let's praise the Lord. huh? 30 adults and children that were heading down the wide way, the wide path. But God was able to use us in order to communicate the gospel to them and the Holy Spirit transform their lives. Now, the year before that, it was about 14. And the year before that, it was about 12. So God is really doing a neat work in our church, especially as we've committed ourselves to prayer, and I really believe prayer is the source of everything. I mean, you've got to have God's power. You've got to have God working through it. So if you have a friend and they have no interest in God, you can always pray for them. In fact, that's the most effective thing you can do. I know it doesn't fit with our to-do list. <laughs> we don't see any progress, but we need to trust God. And every time we pray for them on a daily basis, that uh, God would draw them closer to him. And then we come back to the verse from last week, Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's that same thing. We, we need to be kingdom-minded people. We need to see the world with kingdom eyes. It's so easily to be brought down to see through earthly eyes and value too much the things on this earth. But the more we seek out God, the more we want to know about Him and, and be like Him in His righteousness, God's going to take care of the rest. He's going to take care of the food. He's going to take care of the clothes. He's going to take care of your future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this tremendous passage that gives us an idea what heaven is going to be like. And I know it's just an idea. I mean, you wouldn't even be able to communicate to us. We go, what? If you really told us what heaven is going to be like. <laughs> And we look forward to that day. And 
as we go through pain, as we age and illnesses, uh, I tell you what, these truths become so much more stronger in our lives because we got the best thing to look forward to. While others live in fear of when they're going to die, we certainly have emotions about it, but we know that through your death on the cross that uh, you've taken the sting out of death and we don't have to die the second death. And oh Lord, I pray that you would fill our people, fill myself with a greater desire to tell this awesome news. In Christ's name, amen.